1: This is your host, Jamil Hassan, a.k.a. Crypto Hipster, where I cover blockchain and crypto thought leaders and founders from around the world. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Lee Quinn. She is one of the top um, journalists in the whole entire crypto space. She is co-founder of Desfam magazine. And she works with uh, journalists, uh, magazines such as Bitcoin magazine, uh, Teen Vogue, TechCrunch, a bunch of others. Um, And I'm really honored to have her on today. Uh, Lee, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm honored. Um, You know, um, I want to start off first with a simple question. Uh, What is your background and what are you focusing on now?
2: Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm a journalist. I've worked for outlets like Teen Vogue, uh, TechCrunch, Vice, Jerusalem Post, uh, the Los Angeles Times, Coindesk. Right now, I'm focused on my Substack newsletter, which is just under my name, Lee Quinn, and also launching an annual print magazine called Defem.
1: Awesome. I I checked out Defem a little bit. Um, And my question for you there is, how does Defem magazine help Female tech and finance professionals break into crypto and into uh, traditionally male dominated roles.
2: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because we are working hard to establish partnerships with organizations and influencers so that we can offer a combination of job classifieds and helpful information for how to apply for jobs, how to shape your resume, how to get the kinds of experiences that you need in order to land great jobs, and also have interactive events and opportunities that help women apply to and navigate opportunities, find mentorship, and otherwise grow their careers and manage their own wealth. It's an annual magazine uh, that's kind of a collectible instructions manual for tapping into this crypto network and this incredible wealth gaining opportunity that cryptocurrency provides, which people can also give as gifts to pay it forward after they've learned all they've needed to onboard into the system.
1: Great. So my follow up there is what do you define as male dominated roles?
2: Yeah, male dominated roles probably are most things related to tech or finance. So most tech companies, uh, crypto startups and even traditional financial or tech companies, whether that be Google or whether that be uh, venture capital, for example, if you go into any room for a meeting into those companies, chances are if you look like me that will you'll stand out a little bit. Uh, There are a lot of women making incredible gains in those spaces, but we're still the minority. And so when I think of a tech dominated role, you know, if, if you get a bunch of kindergarten teachers together, probably a lot of them will be women. If you get a bunch of developers together or venture capitalists together, probably a lot of them will be men. And we're helping women who want to succeed in careers where maybe they're underrepresented, understand how to navigate those fields.
1: Great. You know, um, I have a friend who's a builder, um, where I live and he says he can't even get in the room, uh, to, you know, to talk about financing he needs for his company. So, um, does, would your, would your, uh, magazine help to navigate that board, that boardroom discussion, you know, um, what do you think?
2: So I think that the things that are applicable to women are also applicable to people of all genders and backgrounds, right? In terms of how to understand capital and managing your own wealth and managing your own career and finding opportunities that work for you. So I think this would be applicable to really anyone. We're just gearing the tone and some of the, the focus towards things that women in particular may face, but anyone could enjoy the content.
1: Great. Um so um you know you, you said you have this on your I don't know if I saw it on Reddit or Telegram it says diversity spurs innovation creativity and productivity how will, do you think will bringing more women into crypto not only be good for gender equality but also improve business performance
2: definitely so i think it's important to emphasize that women make up more than half the population and they're more likely than men to have influence on educating youth and making household purchasing decisions. So crypto businesses will not be able to exceed, uh, exceed, succeed without women. Uh, Diversity isn't about warm and fuzzy feelings or about political correctness. This is about a lucrative and underserved market. Uh, Just for some like fun stats to throw out there, um, 64% of women uh, that were surveyed by UBS have a greater interest in discussing financial planning since COVID started. I think the pandemic really woke a lot of people up and made them want to take more control over their own finances. And crypto is perfect for people who want to be self-sovereign and have that control over their own wealth and uh, their their own assets. Um, 33% of college educated women. So these are not disenfranchised women, but you know, educated women uh, that were surveyed by the exchange Coinbase don't think that they have equal access to their financial system. And uh, in particular for women of color, JP Morgan did a survey and 19% of those women started investing. So not they were investing total. There was a percentage that was already investing, but 19% started investing in 2020 because they wanted to take advantage of both the pandemic market volatility and also the new opportunities that they were seeing maybe has some businesses closed down or some uh, market patterns changed. they wanted to take a more active role in investing for themselves. In the US alone, there are 12.3 million businesses owned by women. So tapping into this market could be a huge growth potential for crypto ecosystems, crypto companies, service providers, products. This is just a really great way to uh, grow the amount of people that are involved in the crypto ecosystem across the board
1: you mentioned um you mentioned covid and that had a change and i know you, know you you've been in the writing space the journalism space and you've seen you know the the way that the crypto economy has has shifted over the past year and a half how how have the roles um changed and, and the accessibility to them because of covid um how does how's the environment changed because of that
2: yeah i think there are fewer Uh, The impact that COVID has was for especially the middle class, jobs became more competitive, right? So there's a lot more people that are going freelance, uh, that are needing grant opportunities, uh, that are needing to think of um, ways outside the traditional nine to five steady job to make money because people still have economic needs even if those opportunities are shrinking or evolving.
1: Great. So it said shrinking and evolving. Um, you also said, um, to me about a month ago when we first spoke was, every year the number of well-paid, reliable jobs in traditional industries shrinks. And I did some research, and you, I agree with you. Um, what opportunities are available now in the decentralized um, economy um, that will replace those traditional roles?
2: I don't know if they're going to replace those traditional roles. Um, I do think that there are a lot of opportunities uh, thinking about things like Brink, for example, which is a Bitcoin oriented nonprofit based in London. There are lots of opportunities for grants and fellowships that maybe didn't exist before the decentralized economy started taking place. I don't think we're going to have some kind of utopia, which that just replaces all traditional jobs. There's definitely going to be a difficult transition period and people need to figure out what works for them. Uh, there's also, uh, thanks to the crypto economy, a lot more freelance opportunities. You know, if you develop a robust presence on GitHub or on Twitter, it might be possible to network for freelance opportunities that weren't available four years ago, even. Uh, so I think combination of community-supported grants and freelance opportunities are something that will help replace some of the traditional well-paid, reliable jobs that are shrinking in some industries, but certainly not all.
1: um so um that's interesting um you know shifting i guess i guess you know shifting gear shifting gears i mean there's a there's an article i saw um recently that said the gig is up for the gig economy and what you just said there is there are more opportunities in the freelance gig economy So I'm kind of confused. What do you, how do you reconcile those two statements together and um, where, where are those opportunities if the gig is up?
2: So it really depends on what sector you're looking at, right? So I think there are more opportunities uh, for gigs in the tech industry. You know, if you're a freelance developer, if you're a freelance designer, um, even sometimes if you're a content creator, there might be more freelance opportunities than there were in the past, but, In other sectors, there are not more freelance gigs and it can get a lot harder. Um, I think when people talk about the gig economy or the creator economy or the passion economy, they use all these different words. And what they really mean is freelancing. And freelancing is hard and really depends dramatically on the sector that that you're working in. The kinds of opportunities that are available in one sector are not available in other sectors.
1: Great. I am freelancing with this
2: podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so exactly. You know what I'm talking about.
1: Mm hmm. But it's given me the opportunity to, you know, to to work on a skill set that I learned in college that I didn't think I still had. Um, do you see people who, you know, are able to use skills? Maybe they haven't been they weren't able to rely on when they worked in the corporate America. Have you seen that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Or people gaining new skills that they didn't have before. And they learn it on the fly because they've got to. Need is an excellent teacher.
1: I agree. Um, so, training and needs. Uh, I want to shift some of the work, some of the gears here to your work at Bitcoin Magazine. Um, what are what are your education educational topics that you're currently focusing on now with them and um, since this is still in, considered, I guess, a niche media, um, in what ways do you believe that you can support the niche media um, and their audiences to, to learn and grow?
2: Definitely. So I'm freelancing with Bitcoin Magazine as one of the clients I work with to help them develop a robust e-commerce business with educational books and hardware tutorials. It is so, so hard for people like me to go from buying Bitcoin actually holding it ourselves with devices that we can control and understand. So that's been my focus at Bitcoin Magazine in terms of educational content. What are the basic devices and tools that I need in order to start that self-sovereign journey and helping people really get from square one all the way through to maybe a little bit more advanced user?
1: So one of the areas that they asked me to work on and, and focus on and talk about a little bit with the Tech news has been, um, the importance and how to, um, with crypto wallets. Um, are you talking about crypto wallets and have, and if so, how can you educate, um, help educate some of our audience to what, what direction to look at and go forth?
2: Yeah, definitely. So crypto wallets are exactly the kinds of tools that I'm talking about. Um, It really depends on your jurisdiction in terms of what software wallets or or mobile wallets people might use. I personally have found Cash App to be really useful. Um, One of the ones that I also found useful that I think is more global is called Zengo. Um, But I'm not endorsing any of these products. These are just like, I've tried a lot, a lot, a lot of wallets and mostly suffer from them. So it sticks in my mind if there was a product that I did not suffer while using. Um, In terms of hardware wallet, I personally find cold card to be the best, but it is tricky. And if you are not completely tech savvy, I highly recommend hiring a computer science tutor to help walk through because you could also do the same thing that you're doing in a cold card, technically with an old laptop or an old phone or you know a Raspberry Pi that you build yourself. The thing is that you don't even know what these devices are and how these work. And once you understand what they are and how they work, then also you can use, you know, those pre-made hardware wallets like Cold Card or Ledger um, and do it much more effectively and safely and, and frankly with less stress, you know, about losing your funds. Um, so I would highly recommend finding a wallet that, that works for you and then hiring a tutor or taking a class that so you learn more about computer science and, and the basic understanding of the device that you're working with.
1: I got to admit um there's a couple apps that I use that that because they are user friendly like BRD and Kyber because I can oh, use yeah. them Oh yeah,
2: Bread Wallet. I've used that too. It's a good one.
1: Yeah, and and there are others that, you know, um that I have no idea how to buy and sell on. that that um so um what are some of the user friendly ones that you figure that are kind of like Bread and that would we'll be very we'll recommend maybe to our audience.
2: So, like I was saying before, that's probably Cash App or Zengo from my personal experience. But I mean, there's so many. Brad was, uh, BRD was one of the ones you mentioned, and I found them to be really user friendly. Um, but ideally, you want to be moving, unless you have a phone that is not connected to the internet and you keep it somewhere safe, you also want to be having a hardware device of some kind, whether that's a Raspberry Pi, whether that's an old laptop, or whether that's something like a cold card. Um, I would highly recommend having both a software wallet and a hardware wallet. So software being like the apps that you mentioned, and hardware being like Cold Card or Ledger or Trezor.
1: Excellent. So people are moving to the creator economy, and they're moving to um, managing their own cryptocurrencies or crypto assets. How do you think that move? Um, what are some of the skills? What are some of the things they, got, they should look at, um, and what kind of what kind of things that should they skills should they gain that will impact them and help them to rebuild or build new careers?
2: Definitely. So the number one thing that I think people can learn that will just improve their life dramatically and including their wealth management and career prospects is to understand their digital footprint. Uh, We call it OPSEC, right? Meaning like what people can find out about you online, what it looks like when you Google your name. Um, If you are going to be trying to be your own bank and manage your own wealth, there's a reason that your money in a bank is behind a big bolt right? You don't want someone to Google your name and come up with your address, come to your door, knock, 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 and ask where your Bitcoin wallet is, for example. So understanding the information that you post about yourself online and where it is on the internet and some of the things that you can do to help yourself in terms of staying safe is probably the most important step in terms of managing your own wealth. And as a benefit, that can also help with your career because you can develop... Um, different online personas. Maybe one is, you know, a GitHub profile with lots of different uh, tech freelancing jobs that you can just like reference publicly. And you don't need to be concerned about that influencing like your your Facebook where you talk about music, you know, or something like that. Really understanding how you present yourself online can help you target a particular kind of, of client um or or company that you want to work for. so the the number one tip that I would say is to learn about how to present yourself online and how to as best you can manage your own data online so that you can consent and choose when you want to be interacting or, or when you want to be found um, by certain kinds of people and what kinds of people you want finding you.
1: Got it. That's good. Um, also, when you're online right people go online look at data they'll probably do some google searches right and they'll see a lot of um, they'll see some objective information about the crypto economy and they'll see a lot of fud fear uncertainty and doubt articles and hit pieces right how do how would you think that somebody should navigate that when doing research when building those skills how to navigate the truth versus the the story that's not the truth.
2: Definitely. There's just so much media available and, and I think it can even be overwhelming. I would highly recommend that people find a few trusted sources that they can turn to when they wanna read about a certain topic and to make sure that that source has some kind of backing or credential for the, re- even if that credential doesn't have to be you know a college degree, but it has to be some kind of reason why it is that you trust that person to know that thing. I'll give an example of uh, Joe Weisenthal at Bloomberg. He's a leading reporter there for many, many years. He has a lot of experience with financial reporting. And I think the articles he writes about Bitcoin are generally accurate. So you find a few sources that you can trust and you focus on those and just kind of tune out to the rest of the noise. And that's a really good way to find signal within the noise.
1: And there's a no, no, it's not only specifically in Bitcoin, but um, how would you, how would you navigate the, because in, in knowing something about global economics and business is important too. So would you follow the same path there?
2: Yeah, definitely. So maybe you want to subscribe to The Economist, or maybe you want to subscribe to a newsletter that is very specific to a particular sector that you care about. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I think it's really important to always remember that if you're not paying for a product, you generally are the product, and that includes media. So all of the stuff that's um, bombarding your feeds is not meant to serve you. It's meant to serve you up as a product to advertisers. And so find media that you want to subscribe to because it does a good job of offering information for something that you care about. And pay for it and it will be very much worth what you're paying for it in order to be the person who's being served by that product rather than being what is being consumed as part of that product.
1: I may be being consumed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um
1: maybe you know um I wanted to ask a personal question. Um
2: Yeah, Why sure. do you
1: feel? Thank you. Thank you. Um why do you feel? I mean, you've been in crypto and you've been in um Journalism and crypto for a long time. Um, why do you feel it's your calling to influence and support um, the crypto and creator economy? Um, that's the first question. And then I have to follow up.
2: I don't know if it's a calling. I don't think I have any calling, but I think that there's just so much potential when it comes to blockchain technology and cryptocurrency and people are going to dislike that I use those two words. And I do primarily mean Bitcoin when I say that, but I also do sometimes mean every once in a while, some of the other experiments that are adjacent to Bitcoin. Um, There's just world changing potential there. And so I'm really excited about helping people understand and learn about this technology. And also helping that ecosystem diversify and become more robust and more resilient and systems that are diverse and robust are more resilient. So if we want this to work like as a concept, then it needs to be uh, something that is not just for one particular group in one particular area, doing one particular thing, but for lots of different groups with different motivations and interests. And I think that's what I find fascinating is the human dynamics and the cultural diversity of that space.
1: So now I have two follow-ups. Um, I <laughs> okay. want to find out. <laughs> I want to find out how you think one can build resiliency.
2: Ooh. Resiliency comes through networks, connections to other people, and really investing in those relationships. You find people that are skilled and kind, and considerate, and dedicated. Even if they're not doing something that benefits you right now, it's probably good to to be a good person to them back, you know, and then someday you never know, maybe they'll recommend a book that will change your life, or maybe they will you know retweet one of your tweets and it will get seen by someone you need to see. The way to build resilience is through human networks, actually, in my opinion.
1: I agree. I rely on some of the communities that I'm involved with um, as, I, as I think as I've seen you do too. It's awesome. Um, how, how do you feel that your experiences and your worldview could serve in a mentorship capacity uh, to newcomers in this industry?
2: I really hope that people see me and they think it's not so scary to try. It can be really intimidating to work with these kinds of hardware devices if you don't have a computer science background. And it can be really intimidating to think about managing your own wealth if you don't have a financial background. We're trained in our society to uh, hand off a lot of that responsibility, but that also makes us vulnerable you know, to the people who offer us products and services. And I think that products and services are great and definitely we should use them, but it's so empowering to have the choice when and how to use them rather than uh, as a default being forced to because you don't understand what's act- what they're doing and what is going on. So I hope that people can see that I'm trying to understand and that they can also feel like, okay, even if I don't have you know a programming background and I definitely am not a professional trader, I can understand enough to to make my own choices. You know, I'm never going to be like a chef, you know, I'm never going to be like an engineer, but just like I can make myself a pretty decent grilled cheese sandwich. I can probably do some of the basics I need in order to manage my own wealth and career. And I hope that other people have that freedom to do the same.
1: Excellent. Um, I, I'm not a, I'm not a trade. I call myself a trader. I'm not a trade, I'm an investor, but um one of the things that that I that I think is important, and I want to get your take on this too, um, for this space is three things: conviction, patience, and resilience. Um, how for those have you have those come together for you, um, and how could people uh, rely on those three things to move forward?
2: Mm, so, patience and resilience. What was the third one? Conviction. Conviction. Wow. Those that's tricky. I'm not very patient. I've never been mistaken for a patient woman, but I try. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I think all the best things in life, they don't come to you all in an instant. It comes from a lot of hard work and planting seeds that will later sprout. Right. So patience is really important. And when I think about a lot of my work in this space, In particular, I mean, when I started, I really didn't understand what a computer was as a concept. I think a lot of people don't, and we think we do because we use them, but we don't. We don't understand how it works, and I'm still learning how it works. So patience with myself, I guess, as I learn how things work and, and how they relate to me and how they can be useful to me or how they cannot be useful to me. There's sometimes that I will have to be very patient trying to work with my lightning node, and it will thwart me at every turn and be very problematic. And it's only with patience that I can figure out what tools are useful uh, for me in particular. And in terms of resilience, resilient, like we were talking about that being connections to other people, it also means being open to learn from other people. Maybe we don't agree on politics or maybe they have a completely different background from me and things they find interesting, I find boring and stressful and difficult, but being open to learning from them really helps and helps them too right like we both gain a different perspective on this thing that we're very convicted and passionate about so resilience is all about meeting other people where they're at and doing your best to just cooperate with them and to work with them and and to collaborate maybe on things that you might have been intimidated to try and and conviction is just deciding that like you can't fail you know like managing my own wealth or, or trying in this space, I might not be able to do everything that I want to do, but I can't give up. I will accomplish something, I will gain a tool, I will learn a new uh, process, I will, I will do something. And even if it's not like, you know, I aim for the stars and maybe land a little bit lower when it comes to operating my own hardware, um, I think conviction is all just about deciding that, like, you cannot fail completely. You can only start somewhere. Like, by the end of of this, you will you will have started, and you will understand where you need to go next in terms of your self education.
1: Awesome. I want to thank you very much. Um, that that's my takeaway. Um, you know, um, you and I are very much uh, alike in, in several ways. Um, so appreciate. <laughs> Um, this conversation um, I'm honored and um, it's been a pleasure. and my last question is this is how can people find out more information about you about your work? How can they contact you if they want to or, or they um, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, definitely. So probably the best way to contact me or to follow my work is to follow me on social media um, at in, on Instagram, I'm just my name so l e i g h. C-U-E-N, that's Lee Quinn, is my handle on Instagram. Um, on Substack with my newsletter, it's again, my name, .substack.com. So L-E-I-G-H, C-U-E-N, .substack.com. And on Twitter, I am L-A, underscore, underscore, so that's two underscores, C-U-E-N. So La Quinn, and those are the best ways to follow me.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on...